Let us hear God's word as it comes from Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, beginning at verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away. I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Shall we pray? O living God, may your word be planted within us this day. May it take root within our hearts and lives. May it grow and flourish and blossom so that the fruit of your word is made known. We thank you for your word to us today. And again, we pray that it would continue to feed us and nourish us and encourage us in the journey ahead. Amen. If you're searching for things to include under the heading oddities found in scripture, the book of Ezekiel would be a good place to start. Just scan the 48 chapters of Ezekiel and you'll find in the opening of the book a vision so strange that more than a few people in the last century uh, began to conclude that Ezekiel witnessed a UFO replete with extraterrestrials. Seriously. Um, back in the 1970s, I remember being intrigued by the uh, newspaper article, Ezekiel Saw UFOs. By the way, today, they're not called UFOs. They're called UAPs. And you all know what that stands for. Unidentified aerial phenomena. Just a tidbit to take home with you today. Elsewhere in his book, to convey the various messages that God asked him 
to depict for Israel, Ezekiel performed the following rather curious actions. He dug holes in many of the walls of his house. He gave himself a sidewalk haircut. Mm -hmm. He laid down on his couch and remained mute and prostrate for a very long time. It was probably a Thanksgiving weekend he did that, you know. He built a scale model of the city of Jerusalem. I'm wondering, did they have Legos back then? Do you suppose? And then he pretended to lay siege to it. He put a big pot of stew on his stove. He proceeded to let it boil and simmer until the whole thing was just a burnt mess. And at one point, his wife died, sadly. But at God's own instruction, Ezekiel did not weep, did not mourn for her, did not put on the attire typical for grieving people in that day. What's more, before the book is finished, in the one scene that most people associate with Ezekiel, he goes to a valley of dry bones. A, a valley of dry bones, which you might... Uh, get an image in your, in your head of some of the black and white photographs of the mass graves at Buchenwald. And there Ezekiel stands up to preach a sermon. Now the result of his preaching is even more remarkable than the fact that he's preaching to dry bones, which is pretty weird in itself. Uh, the dry bones as he preaches in a scene that the special effects people uh, in Hollywood would have a heyday with, uh, Ezekiel sees a reversal process of decay as the organs and sinews and muscles and then skin return to these dry bones and step by step skeletons are transformed into living creatures. Ezekiel is a pretty weird book, very curious. And yet, nestled about two-thirds of the way into this odd book is one of the most lyric and one of the most hopeful of all biblical passages, the one that I just read to you. This is Christ the King Sunday before the season of Advent begins. You notice we were decorated for Advent. The deacons wanted to get a leg up on Advent, so here we are. We've got We've got Advent reminders everywhere, but this is Christ the King Sunday, and uh, as biblical passages go uh, that relate to Christ as King or God as King, uh, this one is simply lovely. In an era when the leaders of Israel did what political leaders worldwide tend to do, namely take good care of the rich and powerful and shove to the curb, the weak and the vulnerable, Ezekiel looks ahead to a day when a new shepherd would come from the line of David and to the exact opposite, do the exact opposite when he reigns and rules of what the world's leaders do. He would make extra room for the weak. He would deal tenderly with the disenfranchised. He would seek high and low to bring back to his presence, all those who were lost and forgotten. This profoundly good shepherd would bring to life, in a sense, 
Psalm 23. He'd be the kind of person who could and would look past a whole gaggle of celebrities or, quote, beautiful people to identify the lost and the lonely individuals out on the fringes of the crowd. He would be the kind of person who would not only seek out the marginalized and disenfranchised, but who would be just as much sought out by these lonely and overlooked people. He would be the magnet for the world, for all the losers, for all those on the bottom rung of the ladder. They would seek him. They would come to him. Those assumed to be of no account. If we want to celebrate the reign of Christ today, we must do so by remembering just what kind of king Jesus is, but also the kind of king he adamantly and repeatedly refused to become during his incarnation, his life on earth. He, Jesus wanted nothing to do with power, glamour, glitz, privilege. He did not want a throne as much as a place, any place would do, where he would simply be with the sick and the poor and the suffering. And he would say things and do things in their presence that absolutely remade their world, gave them new hope and new life. Those who had been lonely found a friend who felt oddly enough that he might just become a forever friend like an eternal friend. Losers were made to feel like winners. The invisible ones who everyone routinely overlooked came to realize that, thank goodness, someone saw them. Someone reached out a hand to help them. And he was always interested to know their names and hear their stories. That's the kind of shepherd Ezekiel saw in his prophecy. That same shepherd is also the cosmic king of kings, as the book of Revelation talks about him. But it will be a kingdom unlike any other. He reigns and he rules, and his kingdom will know no bounds. Because it won't have a single lost sheep in it, uh, it will be a joyful place. It won't have a single invisible or forgotten person in it, or any lonely people or people who have cause to wonder if they matter. I, the Lord, will be their God, Yahweh said to Ezekiel. I, the Lord, have spoken. Yes, he has. Long live that king. In the New Testament, whenever Jesus uses the image of uh, a shepherd for himself in fulfillment of passages like Psalm 23 and Ezekiel 34, the point is nearly always the same. As the good shepherd of his sheep, he will risk his life and even temporarily abandon the whole flock if that's what it takes to save one lost sheep. 
Ezekiel 34, 16 tells us this is how the shepherd king would rule and reign. Listen, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays, says the sovereign Lord. As the true shepherd, he not only would love his sheep so much that he would rather die himself than any harm come to them, he also finds as important as the whole flock each individual sheep that is under his care. But as many folks today have a hard time swallowing that, have a hard time believing that, that anyone would care for them or love them that much. They calculate how, how much risk they can get away with in this uh, consumer-driven culture we live in. They calculate how much risk they can get away with without, uh, in an effort to pad the bottom line, even though they're removing some safeguards that would be good for their employees or their consumers. Food companies have been known to let certain products hit the market despite knowing that there's a slight risk certain people could well get sick from this food or even die. But if the percentage of people at risk for this is so small to be in statistically insignificant, well then corporate America usually forges ahead. It's okay. They'll get over it. People will forget it. Even if some people may be disadvantaged by this or that program cut, if the majority will benefit so that uh, they vote the right way in the next election, politicians do the very same thing. Ours is a world which looks to see how much it can get away with. We truly don't love every single sheep around us, do we? But that is only half of our modern-day problem. The other difficulty is that in a world of so-called self-made people, many people are not exactly looking for a shepherd to lead them. They want to decide where to go, when to go. Instead, ours is a time where we expect others to meet us where we are. The consumer mentality has taken over everything from college campuses to church sanctuaries. I want it my way, I want it right away, and by the way, I alone will determine when I want it and what I want. Isn't that our individualistic, driven culture? Even our concept of a pastor has changed. Uh, after 40 years of doing this job, I, I know it has changed. The very word pastor means shepherd, by the way, just to remind you. It means shepherd. But as many observers of the American church have noted, pastors today don't lead so much as they follow. David Wells claims uh, the pastor today is often a pollster who holds up a moist finger to see which way the congregational wind is blowing. What kind of worship service should we have? What kind of topics need to be addressed in sermons? Well, let's take a survey. Let's get everyone's input on that. 
And then we'll design the sermons and the services around everyone's personal preferences. The imagery of sheep and shepherds, uh, of leading an animal or a person somewhere instead of scattering in every direction uh, to follow our individual instincts and preferences seems a bit anachronistic, don't you think? Not many of us have a flock of sheep in our backyard. Not that I know of, anyway. Some of you may. But the idea of sheep being led by a shepherd is, is really foreign to us. It, it's like hearing a teenager say she's going to dial her friend's phone. Well, come on, anybody under 18 has never seen a dial phone, let alone used a dial phone, they would look at it and say, what do I do with that? I, I know, I've seen it. A phrase that is an echo of a bygone world that did not know about things like digital keyboards and audio voice commands. Maybe good shepherds are anachronistic but as the Bible makes clear in every chapter of every book, we still need a shepherd king. God bless this simple witness to his word. Amen. recording of this service can be found on YouTube or Facebook by searching for Kenmore Church.